The only person the Bible tells us to seek to get anything from is the Lord God. The Bible never seeks, says to seek another person for anything, that we're only to seek the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning. If you're tuning in to PCBC online, that means you probably missed Saturday Night Church. We want to invite all of you, no matter your age, background, or where you're from, if you're here in Oklahoma City and you can join us on a Saturday evening, please do that next week. We'll be moving to a new time. We're going to move it 30 minutes later just to get a little bit more shade and even better temperatures. Even on the hottest night, the very first one we ever did, hottest night ever, and it was still very comfortable together in the shade, and we have had a great time on Saturday evenings. If you can make it, uh, we invite you to come. Even those we were encouraging to stay at home who are 65 years and older, very safe environment to come out, bring your lawn chair, and join the rest of us on Saturday evenings. Well, this month of July, we're reading through the Gospel of Matthew one chapter a day. I hope you're also doing that with us. Whatever day of the month it might be, find that chapter in Matthew and read along and let's stay fresh in God's Word. So my sermon series is an extension of the 11th commandment. We studied there for uh, the end of June and into July what Jesus said was a new commandment he was giving. A new commandment that we love one another just as Jesus loved us. And so we're going into Matthew now, and I'm going to bring whatever we've been reading that week together, I'm going to bring you a sermon from a passage that demonstrates how Jesus loved. If we can learn from Jesus and we can apply that to our lives, then we can love like Jesus loved. This morning, we're going to see how easy it is to be a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of Christ, to actually love the Lord and yet still not love like he loved. We can see that in our own lives. We've seen it in the church in days gone by. We can see it throughout history. But we don't need to see that in our lives today. We need to love like Jesus loved. I got an interesting email this week from Donna Edwards, and she was responding to the series we've been in. She made some great comments. She said, Bill, I studied that 11th commandment and the love one another's many years ago. And she said, I noticed that all the verbs that are used in the Greek language is about how Christians relate to each other. That all of those Greek words are verbs which are giving words, not getting words. That we're so worried about how we're being loved, we forget Scripture teaches, no, we're to be the lovers. It it teaches us how we are to demonstrate love. She made another comment. She said, the only person the Bible tells us to seek to get anything from is the Lord God. The Bible never says to seek another person for anything, that we're only to seek the Lord. And so this morning, I want that to be some framework for your heart, that you're not worried about what you might not be getting during this time of masking or sheltering at home or this virus, the different realities it's brought in our world, but instead we would find ways to be actively engaging and loving one another how we can be proactive, and how we can love like Jesus loves. So let's look at some examples. If you have your Bibles today, go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to let you see this morning some examples of those who came seeking Jesus and how he loved them. We're also going to see, quite frankly, how easy it is not to love them. Let's take a look. You'll see more in verse 13. Matthew chapter 14 in verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard about John, this is John the Baptist, 
What has he just heard? John the Baptist has been beheaded. He was in prison. He's now been beheaded. And Jesus has gotten the bad news. After Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd. He felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. So we look in on this passage in Matthew chapter 14. We find one of the toughest days in Jesus' life. He has just been mocked and rejected in his own city. You can read about that in chapter 13. Uh, he's been back in his hometown, and everybody's saying, well, how can this Jesus be so special? We watched him grow up here. Is he not the son of a carpenter? Is he not this? We, we remember this about him. And, and Jesus had to basically say, you know, a prophet in his own city is without honor. After he'd been mocked in his own city, rejected by even his own kinfolk, he now wakes up, and he's learned that somebody, one of his closest friends, ministry peers, but even his cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed, mainly for his prophetic ministry. Jesus' heart is breaking, and he wants to withdraw for a moment to mourn. And, and as he's mourning this loss, he realizes, and we realize, life still happens. Ministry still happens. Other people are still hurting, and, and there's still a call in our lives to live out a kingdom perspective just like Jesus so as we look in on this story, the crowds return, and we're going to see that Jesus loved the people even when he was hurting, even when life was tough in his day, in his, his world, he was still having compassion. So we look in on this story, and we see Jesus responding. How did he respond to the crowd? He didn't see the crowd as an inconsiderate nuisance. He didn't get hurt inside and say, why would they be so selfish? This is a time when I'm mourning and I'm hurting. I need my space. While he was still hurting and receiving comfort from the Father, he was still being a comforter to other people. I think that's powerful. That even though he was hurting, he still had the ability to feel compassion for other people's hurts. I don't know about you, but when I'm hurting or I'm going through a difficult time, it's so easy to get into that that dark space of it's just all about me and my pain or my hurt. And I lose that filter or that perspective that other people are hurting as well too and there's still opportunities for ministry. Well, Jesus felt compassion in that moment and he ministered to their needs, but notice the disciples' response. While Jesus felt compassion, the disciples felt nothing. It's a reflection of some callousness that is set up in their hearts. Look at verse 15. For when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate. The hour is already late, so send the crowds away. Send them away, Lord, so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. As we look in on how Jesus loved, I want you to see how sometimes we are just the opposite of how Jesus loved. I mean, these were Jesus' disciples. These were the guys he poured his life into every single day. And are being mentored by the ultimate lover, the Lord Jesus. And he even models for them in this moment a life of compassion and, and ministering to people. And yet the disciples who loved the Lord, were following the Lord and serving with the Lord, were still struggling with hearts that had become calloused. Their first attitude and their first response was, Lord, send them away. 
this is a burden for us. This is overwhelming. This is a, a financial responsibility we cannot bear. And, and there's needs we can't meet in this moment. They needed to learn what Jesus had taught them earlier. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be one who follows and comes after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Jesus had taught the disciples that it isn't about you. It's about serving the Father by serving others. That we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to what's comfortable to us. We have to take up our cross. That means our death. That we don't live for our own needs, but instead we live a spirit-filled life that serves other people. Well, there's a second attitude that's reflected that can set up shop in our hearts. Instead of us loving like the Lord, we love like the disciples. The second attitude is they basically drew a conclusion, there's a need here that we can't meet. John 15, 5 would tell us that if we aren't abiding in Christ, we can do absolutely nothing. So in one sense, they were accurate in their assessment. There wasn't anything they could naturally, physically do themselves, but they were discounting that they were serving in the kingdom of God. They had lost their eternal perspective because of the natural realm in which they lived. If we're not careful, the same thing can happen to us. We can, we can live based on logic and what's rational and resource-driven in this world and forget that our God is the resourcer. We can be so busy drawing logical conclusions that we miss the mark spiritually. For example, what did Moses have when God called him? When God called him to confront Pharaoh to let my people go, all he had was a staff in his hand. That didn't look like any kind of a leadership tool. That wasn't a tool of being a, a general of a new army and a new people who were going to war with Pharaoh, but that staff surrendered to God, became a mighty tool of ministry that would be used throughout his ministry, a simple thing like a staff. You think about David and Goliath, and all he had was a sling and a few stones, but all of that surrendered to God. What could he do against a giant? Nothing. But he said, my God will deliver you, Goliath, into my hands. He understood that what is surrendered to God that may look small and insignificant can become something supernaturally powerful. And that's what the disciples had to learn, and that's what we have to learn is don't take on the attitude of a disciple. Don't love like a disciple where you just want to send people away because maybe you don't think you can meet that need or because maybe that's a burden to your day or, or to your agenda. But instead, we would learn to love like Jesus loved. It seems that we get blinded by the physical reality and miss the spiritual opportunity. You see, their response was the complete opposite of what Jesus had taught earlier in Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, he had declared, and the disciples had heard this. He had been dealing with a crowd then, and he said, Come unto me, all you who, are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus called for the people to come to him, to receive what only he could pour out from the Father. And while they had heard him teach that they were to come to him, here they are saying, Lord, send them away. I want to love like Jesus loved, not like the disciples loved. Let me give you another example. Uh, go over to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 16. Go back to the story here in Matthew 14. Now see the rest of the story. And Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. 
you, he's speaking to the disciples, you give them something to eat. Now, the emphasis here in the Greek is, is very dramatic. It's almost like a double, double speak here when he says, you, disciples, listen, you, you need to give them something to eat. Don't just send them away. Don't let them just walk out having a need that you haven't stepped into, that you haven't met. You meet the need. Jesus was teaching them the 11th commandment, how to love people right where they are. Now notice, as you look at this, Jesus' response was, you guys just need to love like I love. I've demonstrated it for you. I've not just preached it to you. I've demonstrated it. Love as I love. Jesus' response was, be an instrument of my grace in this time. They have a need. Step into that. Serve the people. Now notice he doesn't say something fancy. You don't have to go extravagant here. Just be practical. You see the need. You see that they're hungry. They need something to eat. Well, then feed them. Meet them where they are and meet the need that they have. If you want to learn the 11th commandment, if you want to love like Jesus loved, start watching for people's needs. And not just seeing the needs, but step into those needs. Whether it makes sense, whether you have the resources or not, figure it out. Let God, through the power of his spirit, and the God who provides all of our needs according to his riches and glory, do that through you and somebody else's life. That's what they had to learn in that moment. And what I discover in this is that meeting needs that people have are three-dimensional because people are three-dimensional. When God created us in his image, he created us three-dimensionally, if you will. Physical, the body. The soul, which represents emotions and the mental. And then the spirit, spiritual. So there are physical needs, emotional needs, and spiritual needs. And so as you interact with people in your day and through your life, Relationships that you have, new relationships God will bring across your path. Look for the need. Do they have a physical need? Are they hungry? Are they behind on a bill? Do they need financial assistance? They've lost their job during COVID or, or there's some other physical need. Is there an emotional need? Is there a need for them just to have a friend that's checking in on them every week? Somebody to pray with them and somebody to encourage them. Passing on a scripture uh, calling and checking in, not just sending a Facebook post or a text, but actually face-to-face -face or a voice conversation, stepping into their mental anguish or their hurt and their pain. Or is it a spiritual need? Is there somebody in your life that has an empty heart because they've been separated God from their sin and nobody's ever shared with them the gospel? Step into that need. Feed them physically, emotionally, and spiritually because you see everyone has a need every one of us at some point will have people in our lives that have a need physically emotionally or spiritually and Jesus says you you feed them don't say well that's our church our church has a ministry team to do that or or our pastor will get to that or or somebody else I'll pray for them Jesus didn't say pray for them Jesus said feed them in other words get involved yourself be an instrument of my grace. We're facing a crowd today with needs unlike any time in our recent history. And as we look and we see all of these needs, they can get overwhelming. They can get discouraging. And sometimes they're so large, just like this crowd, that we have a tendency to back away from it and discount. We can't do anything. There's nothing we can do. Jesus taught his disciples there's always something he wants to do through us. So do we see the need before us? Do we see a need in somebody else's life or 
during these days, but just throw up our hands and say, well, it's just too big. It's beyond what I can do. I don't know what I can do. Or do we meet those needs through God's supernatural provision? I want to encourage you and challenge you that in these days, we need to think outside of our own natural understanding. And I think we need to look differently than just to our own natural resources. We need to look to the Lord, and we need to let him direct our paths and shepherd us to supernatural responses. To say, well, I may only have a few loaves and a few fish in this moment. I may only have a few things or a few resources. I may only have a slingshot. I may only have a staff. But those things, I'm surrendering to God. God, use these things today. Use these tools. Use my personality. Use my family. Use my position. Use my influence. God, I surrender all of it to you. May it be a blessing to others and a blessing to you. Well, that's Matthew 14. Let's fast forward. Let's watch this trend continue. Matthew chapter 15. They just couldn't learn how to love like Jesus. Take a look at it. Go to verse 21, Matthew chapter 15. So Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came, watch this, his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away. This woman just keeps shouting and shouting, God, send her away. Lord Jesus, send her away. As we look in on this story, I want you to see their common response again. Here's a nuisance another inconvenience. Here's a lady that won't leave Jesus alone, and they think they're actually serving Jesus. We're going to step in, and we're going to help Jesus with this problematic woman who won't be quiet, who keeps insisting on him helping her, and she's a Canaanite. So, Lord, send her away. Is that what Jesus has taught them? Is that how we love one another, like Jesus loved? Well, you could look here and say, well, Jesus didn't seem very loving in this passage. He didn't even answer her. He was ignoring her. He's starting to act like one of the disciples. If you go through and you read the rest of this passage, as a matter of fact, you can see my uh, mornings and Matthew devotional on our website. I talk in greater detail about this particular situation. And what we find is Jesus was being silent because he was allowing room for the Holy Spirit to work in her life and the life of the disciples. Well, what was going on here? Why would he remain silent? Why were they trying to send her away? Well, they were focused on being comfortable. They were not interested in helping this woman who had a great hurt. She's crying out, my daughter is being cruelly punished by demons. You would think that would respond with, that the disciples would respond with a heart of compassion, and yet they say, send her away, Lord, she's a nuisance. They were more focused on what would make them comfortable or maybe even what they thought would make Jesus comfortable rather than they were having a heart of compassion and loving her like Jesus loves. In the context, there were some real issues here as well. It was easy for them not to be real compassionate towards her because she was a woman from the land of Canaan. She was a Canaanite. And if you know your biblical history, you know that Canaanites were the inhabitants that were in the promised land when Moses and the people were trying to enter where God had said, this is my provision for you. When Moses sent out the 12 spies and they looked in the land, they saw the Canaanites, the giants in the land, and because of fear, they ran instead of into the promised land and where God had led them, 
they ran from God's will and spent 40 years in the wilderness. Throughout Israel's history, the Canaanites would continually, continually be their rivals and be at war. Canaanites were looked down on by the Jews. They were considered the enemy of the enemies. Uh, you want to talk about racism? You want to talk about issues of hate? The disciples were struggling through this, and they certainly didn't have much compassion for this woman, but not Jesus. You say, well, why didn't he answer? Why didn't Jesus speak into her need? Why didn't he immediately jump up? Shouldn't he be loving her in her hurt? Jesus does. But Jesus had to remain silent to give time for the Holy Spirit to work in her life and the life of the disciples. He would eventually answer her. He doesn't send her away. He just remains silent. And as I mentioned in my devotional online, there are times that God remains silent for a season and for a period, but it doesn't mean he doesn't hear. It doesn't mean he doesn't care. It just means God's will is worked out in God's timing. His will was to meet this woman's need, but this woman had a lot to learn. If you notice in the beginning of the story, she cries out to the son of David. That was not, that was not the path she was allowed to take. That was a title that the Jewish people had. That was their ancestry. And she was just using common religious language she had heard to try to approach Jesus just to get a miracle from God. But as you watch the rest of the story, as he remains silent, she finally is so broken and so persistent she finally, not son of David, but says, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. You see, the Holy Spirit had revealed to her that Jesus wasn't just a miracle worker. He wasn't just there to make her life more comfortable and do what physicians couldn't do and what nobody else could do. He was there to change her life and her daughter's life. And that only happens as we make him the Lord of our lives. Drop down to verse 32. He would minister to this woman, and he would say to this Canaanite, I've never seen faith like you're, this is a, you have such a strong faith. And he healed her daughter. The disciples, I'm sure, were amazed that he would have that kind of compassion, especially for a Canaanite, and yet Jesus continued to demonstrate to them how to love like he loved. Even though they wanted to send her away, Jesus loved her. Now we get down to verse 32, and it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people. After he'd had this scene, he now moves on, and now there's another group of people again. And as he looks out, he says to his disciples, I feel compassion for the people because they've remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away. I don't want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? And Jesus said to them, he's having to reteach them, okay, guys, how many loaves do you have? In other words, guys, you're going to feed them. I've told you before, don't you remember the last lesson? Don't send them away. Don't ignore the need. Don't minimize the impact of what the Father can do through you. How many loaves do you have? Jesus' response basically was, guys, quit making excuses. And quit responding with logic. See the need, meet the need. Use what you have where you are to bless others. And then I'll take care of the details. I'll, 
I'll do what I've done before. Do you forget the last time we had this problem? Do you not remember how they were fed, how they were satisfied? That can happen again. I am the Lord of the harvest. Trust me. You see, as we look through these illustrations, Jesus has taught the disciples over and over again, they were workers in the harvest. We're to be kingdom-minded, and that he calls us simply to plant seeds, to water seeds, and leave the results to God, that he is the Lord of the harvest. But in that harvest, God has a plan for you, and he has a plan for me to be workers, to use us as instruments in his hands, instruments of grace, to plant seeds of grace, to water those seeds, to distribute those seeds wherever we can in whoever's heart God gives us that honor. And they were to learn that lesson and honor God as Lord of the harvest. It's so easy to love God, want to follow God, serve God, and yet not love like Jesus loved. Let me give you another example. Go to Matthew chapter 19. History keeps repeating itself. Why? Because it's so easy to love like people love, like the disciples loved, and not like Jesus loved. Look at Matthew 19, verse 13. Then some children were brought to Jesus so that he might lay hands on them and pray and the disciples rebuked them. These are some seriously ministry-minded guys, aren't they? These are guys who love the Lord, love serving God, and love people. Oh, man, here they are rebuking them. Another, send them away, send them away. But Jesus said, look at verse 14. Here's Jesus demonstrating love. Jesus said, let the children alone. Do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. A third example, the disciples. Serving God, showing up for duty, wanting to do the right thing, but not loving like Jesus loved. They're sending them away. They're pushing them away. They're rebuking them. Before we throw stones at the disciples and before we throw them under the bus, let's Let's be certain, certain. Now, we may not be rebuking, we may not be rejecting, but it is possible we could be blocking the younger generation from getting to Jesus as well. That if we're not careful, we can be so busy growing in the Word and going through discipleship and studying the Bible and loving God, but not loving others like Jesus loved, that we become a stumbling block to the next generation. We could be, we could be, not loving the children like we should, the next generation, because we're not engaged in that generation. There are opportunities around us all the time. We could be investing in children. We should be investing in children, the younger generation, and yet we're too busy serving God, doing church, doing other things. The disciples had to learn that lesson as well, that even the children... Children are valuable to the kingdom of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a lot of opportunities, and right now some of those opportunities are being a little restricted because of the virus. But we've been so committed to reaching out to the next generation from our student ministry down through our preschool ministry. We have whiz kids that we were mentoring and can't do that now, but as that comes back in line, maybe some of you will be called out to be a whiz kid mentor and to pass that ministry and love of Jesus on through that. Awana ministry or our Sunday school ministry, uh, outreach events that we do during the summertime or in future days, festival and all the things that we try to do to minister to younger generations. Be a part of those things. Engage in those things. Let the Lord use you as an instrument of grace in his hands.
but especially to your own children and grandchildren. Make sure every day that as you're a disciple of Christ and loving God, that you find ways to demonstrate God's love in your own family context. Ministering to them the Word of God, loving one another within your homes, and loving them with the love of Jesus. Notice what Jesus said, do not hinder the children from coming to me. I'll just be real honest, in the days ahead, we're going to have a huge need for a lot of sacrificial leadership for us to reach out to young families and to minister to children as we open up the new children's building and our remodeled preschool, as we get back to some form of a new normal, whatever that looks like with safe distancing, it's going to require double the volunteers. And we need the body of Christ to step into that and to be a lover of children and teach them about the love of God as we serve. The disciples had to learn that. Maybe you need to learn that with me as well. Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 40. I want to give you another insight here. It says, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him. Why? Because he wasn't following with us. And Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me, for the one who's not against us is for us. Again, over and over and over and over again, we find the disciples trying to love Jesus, love serving Jesus, but not loving others like Jesus loved. Now we find them here being the ministry police, uh, trying to rule over others about whether they were doing a biblical act of service that was uh, applicable or not, or appropriate. They were shutting people down. No, don't do that. Don't help somebody. Don't serve... That wasn't their role, and Jesus had to rebuke them in that moment. The disciples, over and over again, wanted to send people away rather than love people. Why? Because some, it was just too big a hassle. In other situations, they were too noisy. In some situations, they were too little, too young, too insignificant. Other situations, they were just different from us. They always found a reason. They were always distracted by something that kept them from loving like Jesus loved. What was Jesus' response to them each and every time? Feed them. Serve them. Minister with them. Love like I loved. So my encouragement to you this week, look around. Notice the needs. Look at the people that you intersect life with every single day. People you work with people that you're shopping with, people that live around you, just people God will cross your path with. And look at them through the eyes of Jesus. You have two options. You can love like Jesus, or you can love like the disciples. You can serve and have compassion, or you can be calloused and want to just push the need away. My prayer for each and every one of us this week is that we would wake up and say, God, let me see through your eyes. And God, let me love you as I love others the way you love me. Let's pray about it this morning. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, I want to pray this morning for each and every person who's worshiping online. And God, whatever you choose to teach them through your scriptures today, may that word be alive and active in their heart. And God, I know that each of us are continuing to mature and grow in the understanding of the 11th commandment 
and what it means to love other people. And Lord, I know we can't just do it through the lessons we learn, but these lessons remind us that daily we have to take up our cross, die to ourselves, and allow you, Lord Jesus, to love people through us. And so, Lord, I would pray for each person right now that you would speak to them and specifically show them somebody who they can love this week. And if we don't know who that is today, that tomorrow, the next day, and the day after, and the days to come, that we would let you be our shepherd, that you would guide us and lead us to understand the need before us. And then, God, I pray that you would supernaturally work through us however you choose to do it, through loaves, through fishes, through a sling, through a staff, through whatever we are, whoever we are, and whatever we have, to feed the need. Could be this morning. I want to pray for those who are listening to this message and your need's different. You've never responded to the love of God. You've heard about the love of God. You know that God so loved you, he gave his only begotten son. You know that God so loved you, he demonstrated that love, that while he, we were sinners, Jesus died on a cross. He died to pay the price for our sin, for the wages of sin is death, and Jesus so loved you, he paid the price to remove that penalty from your life and give you the opportunity to receive him in your heart. Not your head, but in your heart. The Bible says we must believe in our heart to be saved. If you've never received the love of God, if you've never been filled with the love of God and his forgiveness and grace, then this morning I want to encourage you, pray right now and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. My heart is empty. While it may be full of sin, it is empty, and I need your love and forgiveness. Lord, I repent of my sin, and I invite you to come into my heart and save me today. For God so loved you, he demonstrated it. For God so loved you, he loved you. How did he love us? By dying in our place and desiring to live in our heart. If you just prayed with me just now, reach out to our online pastor. Would you do that? Go to the chat box and say, today I prayed to receive Christ. If you have done that and you want to reach out through an email, you can email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. One of our ministry staff will get right back to you. If you want to leave a phone number there, it's all secure, it's all private. Only our minister on staff will see that number or that response, and we will get back to you just as soon as possible. But know this, yes, God loves you, but so do we. We look forward to what God's doing in your life. Please email us. Tell us what God's doing. If he gives you a great sermon illustration this week of how you were able to love somebody, I know you're not bragging about you, but you want to brag on what Jesus did and what he gave you the opportunity to do, please let us know. I'd love to hear back from you in the week to come. God bless you. Have a great week as you love people like Jesus loves you. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.